Hi, this is Dan Miller. It's the time of year for giving well. Do you love your work? Do you think it's possible? Well, you're about to find out. It's time for 48 Days to the Work You Love with Dan Miller on the 48 Days Online Radio Show. Whether you need a professional tune-up or a work overhaul, this is the program for you. Now, here's your host, Dan Miller. Well, welcome in. You're listening to somewhere in the range of 48 minutes to dive into real-life questions about finding your passion, deciding what kind of life you want to live, and then finding or creating work that allows you to show up every day, excited to be able to do something that is meaningful, fulfilling, and profitable. Hey, I'm going to be telling you about our brand new Casper mattress here in just a few minutes. They are a sponsor for today. You know, I want to tell you about next week. Now, next week, we're going to be going right into Christmas Day. So I'll probably have an abbreviated podcast, but I want to play a little clip from The Strangest Secret. Now, The Strangest Secret is that little audio recording that had such a major impact on me as a kid of about 13 years old. So I'm going to extract just a little bit the real critical point of that message, the strangest secret, why it impacted me so profoundly and has become a foundational principle for my life even today. So that'll be next week. So be tuning in. We'll talk about the strangest secret. Well, here's some of the things we're going to be looking at today. Uh, Somebody says, Dan, my $80,000 year job doesn't interest me, nor does it utilize my skills and talents. Similar kind of question, Dan, I'm feeling very unfulfilled, like I'm letting my family down, like I could be doing something so much better, making a much bigger contribution. Here's an interesting question. Should I focus on my weaknesses or focus on my strengths? And somebody says, I'm a framing carpenter, and believe me, it's not a passion of mine, but just a way to pay the bills. Well, some kind of similar themes in what we're looking at there. How do you find work that is fulfilling And of course, you know where I'm going to go with that. You can find it. There's a lot of options out there, but if you can't find it, you create it. There's a broad spectrum of opportunities available to you, no matter where you think you are right now. Our quotation ties in with a season. This comes from Hamilton Wright, maybe, who said, blessed is the season which engages the whole world in a conspiracy of love. Wouldn't it be great if the whole world got caught up in this conspiracy of love around the time where we celebrate Christmas. I hope that is true. Well, it's a time for giving well. I love talking about that, giving well, which is a close companion to living well. Those go pretty much hand in hand. Incidentally, boy, that reminds me of our cruise we got coming up in February. The theme for our cruise, The Ultimate Advantage, where we'll be leaving out of Fort Lauderdale and going down to San Juan, Puerto Rico, and down to the Virgin Islands. But our theme for that cruise is living well, giving well. So it is those two things. We're going to carry through the theme that we're really talking about here at Christmas time, right into the cruise where we leave on February 12th. If you, if you want to really kick your year off right, I don't know of a better way to do it than to take a cruise. Now that's something Joanna and I, you know, Joanna and I do some things like getting massages. I know I mentioned that once in a while. And sometimes people think, well, that's, you know, just something that, you know, is a real luxury. It's just something you do when you're rich. We have been getting regular massages for a very, very long time. And believe me, we weren't rich 
when we started this weekly pattern. I consider it to be an integral part of our health plan. So it's not just some luxury that we just, you know, just because we can. I mean, it's, it's something that we sacrificed for because we thought it was an important part, especially of Joanne's health. Won't go into that any deeper right here, but it really was a considered decision as part of our health. Well, we really feel the same way about cruising. It's not just to eat too much and look at your navel, you know, for a week. It's a time of restoration, refreshing, to be energized, to come back with new ideas we would not otherwise have had, especially when we spend the week with some other really fun people. That's what the cruise is all about. Hey, check it out. Go to 48days.com. Check on live events. You can see there. You can talk to Chris, our cruise director. Uh, He can take care of all the details for you. We had a a whole bunch of people. Now, we limit that. And when I say a whole bunch of people, we limit it to 100. We close it off because we have a dedicated meeting space on the celebrity silhouette. So we don't want to go beyond that. It makes it complicated to compete with the the uh, musical shows and things if we have to move into the theater on the ship. So we limit it to a hundred people, but be happy to talk to you about being in that group. Well, let me talk to you about Casper a little bit before I move into the questions here. You hear me talk about Casper mattress and yeah, you hear me talk about the fact that, you know, we've had one in our guest room for quite some time now and we hear the guests rave about it. They fight over it. They schedule it in advance. If they're going to be at our house, they sleep on the Casper mattress. Well, because of the rave reviews about that, you know, we didn't have one in our own personal bedroom. We just thought it was neat to have for the guests. And, you know, we love having them connected with the show here. But we were sleeping on our very, very expensive mattress that we really, really liked. But more and more, I found that Joanne in Sleepless Nights was slipping into the guest room to sleep in the Casper. And she talked about how she woke up feeling so rested and finally said, you know what? We need to get one for our bedroom. So we just did. We got a king size Casper. We absolutely love it. There was no transition period. I thought, well, it's going to be different. It'll take us a while to get used to it. Boy, the first night I slept like a rock and continued to do so. I certainly suggest you check it out. I just got a note from Daniel Herberger one of our faithful listeners down in Guatemala who is just getting married and they're getting as their gift to each other, their marriage gift, a Casper mattress. I thought, how cool. But we, we slept on old junk mattresses for a whole lot of years in our marriage before we got good ones and now moved up to the Cadillac, which is a Casper, but go to Casper.com slash sleep. You love, and then use the promo code sleep. You love to save $50 off your purchase Check it out. Casper.com slash sleep you love and use the promo code sleep you love. You get free shipping and $50 off. Now, David says this. I want to share some success stories. You got some fun things going on. A couple weeks ago, I shared David's story about making $19 an hour uh, selling manure. Okay. Horse manure. And I asked him about it. I said, geez, what are you doing? You know, he's, so I got a note from him and I just wanted to add that in. He says, how I sell it. I put up a free ad on Kilogy. I think it is. Um, he is from Canada. So I'm not familiar with that site. Anyway, the major point is that I'm screening it. So I sell it for $5 for a five gallon bucket. 
And he calculates out how he gets his $19 an hour, one hour driving, half hour shoveling, loading a vehicle. Now he can get enough manure in, he says, into my car to equal $80 of finished product. I wonder what the car smells like the rest of the time when you're driving around after hauling $80 worth of horse manure in it. Well, anyway, yes, I said car. He says, I don't even use a truck. So he targets the market. He said, if anyone is interested, they can contact me at manurestartup.com. How cool. I'll have to go there. I haven't done that yet. I'm releasing my course in 2017. Now, there's a really interesting point. You hear me share success stories time and time again, where people moved from just doing something to teaching other people how to do it. Most of what I do in my business at this point is exactly that. Teach people how to leverage their writing, how to get, you know, create income with using their writing, how to leverage their message, teaching people how to coach successfully. I mean, so people that move from doing something into teaching it often exponentially increase their income. So David's going to have a course coming up on how to make money um, selling horse manure. I'll be looking forward to that. Now here's kind of a, a related story. I had somebody just recently that asked me that, read in 48 low or no cost business ideas that a guy puts up real estate signs on the weekends. So, you know, open houses, you see those signs up. Somebody has to put those up and take those down. Well, he asked me about that. Asked me if I had any more information on it. I said, I really put everything I know from that guy in 48 low or no cost business ideas. But I said, I have a friend who lives here locally that has been doing that for quite some time. I'll be glad to connect you. I connected him, instantly got a copied message back from Pierce Mars. Now, Pierce is one of our coaches. You know, he's very successful in what he does in his real job and also in his coaching. But he says, I have built a thriving sign business here in Spring Hill, Franklin, Tennessee area. This is a booming real estate market. And the agents have figured out that over 80% of model home traffic comes from the directional signs. So the signs that are put up on a weekend drive 80% of the traffic this year, that business will bring in about $45,000 working about 40 to 50 hours per month. Nice side hustle. I only put out and pick up the signs. I have no other responsibilities to the builder. Um, Please check out your local sign ordinance for rules in your area. Here in this area, Pierce says, we cannot put them out until after 7 p.m. on Friday and have picked them up by Monday morning before 7 a.m. Okay, so that's a pretty close window there. He says, I would contact the agent builder developer directly, talk to them about the value of this service. You must also be prepared to discuss where they can get signs produced and you'll need stakes to mount those signs. I prefer heavy-duty metal over the lighter-duty options. Anyway, Pierce is very open about connecting with the other person who requested information. I gave his cell number to talk about it. You know, we find that our listeners are extremely gracious, are extremely open about sharing their information. Now, if you remember the young guy, Joshua Kemp, who was a blacksmith, who studied online how to become a software developer, got a job. I asked him if he would mind having people ask him about that. He said, no, bring him on. So I sent him a lot of people. He ultimately wrote an ebook about how to do that, how to train yourself as a software developer without even going to college, which he never has. Well, then he kept hearing me talk about people creating courses. So then he created a course and put it up how to get a tech job and, uh, you know, with no college degree and put up a course for $197 in the first week, he had 10 people enroll. Well, that's another 2000 bucks. I mean, that's pretty cool. 
So I told Pierce with his sign business, I said, Pierce, if I tell people about what you're doing, you're making $45,000 working about 40, you know, 10 hours a week on a side doing this. It's not a high tech thing. You don't need to learn anything. You just need to have a clear service provider to put up real estate signs, take them down. You're going to have people that want to know about that. Can I send them to you? I said, what you need to do is write an ebook, create a little course on how to do that, how to have this side hustle business. So he assured me that, boom, yes, he would do that. I'll keep you posted as those get up and running as well. Well, let's go, let me go with a couple more success stories here and we'll go into some other questions. This comes from Mary Cathan. Now, Mary wrote me a note just a couple days ago. Dan, I wanted to just tell you thanks. I came to one of your right to the bank workshops a few years ago. At the time, I was totally confused about work because all I wanted to do was help dogs. At one of the class breaks, you made me realize that I also needed to look at what type of work can make money and encouraged me to write a book about dogs as a way to make a profit. You know, I often do that with people. I, I remember this conversation, but uh, when people have something that they're passionate about and it just doesn't seem to be connected with any way to make money, I tell them, you know, get creative, take your interest in that, but create an economic model. You know, I talk about the three legs of the stool, passion, talent, and money. Without money, you got a hobby. You know, be careful about spending too much time doing that. But Mary, Mary really wanted to spend time with dogs, just help dogs. So she says here, I'll go back to her note. Guess what? I was able to leave my nine to five job this year because I've written several dog mystery novels. The best part is that the time flexibility that I now have allows me to volunteer at the animal shelter, the animal sanctuary near me walking dogs. I just want to thank you for all the advice you give and the kindness you showed me when I was at, when I was at my wits end. Blessings of Mary Catherine. Well, I wrote to her and I said, geez, where are you? I can't find you on Amazon. Well, she uses a pen name. She says, I write novellas. My pen name for dog books is Mary Hiker. And then you can go, you can go there and find her. Mary Hiker. You'll see a whole bunch of dog mystery novels. Now there's an interesting genre, but she was, has been able to leave her job and just write these books. And now because of the time flexibility volunteers at the animal sanctuary. I mean, how cool is that? Love, love, love that. Okay. Hey, got one more here. Now this comes from Karen Wilson. Karen says back in November, 2015, I sent you an email asking how my homeschooling family of seven could move from surviving to thriving and was honored to have you answer on your podcast. Well, fast forward to today, we are thriving, achieving and succeeding. Thanks to your encouraging podcast, your book, 48 days to the work you love and the action I took. When I wrote that desperate email, we were living with a friend receiving support from the state, looking at mountains of debt with little income to support ourselves. Looking inside, I knew starting a business was not right for my personality, but I didn't love crafting, teaching and singing. I had not worked outside the home for 13 years, but I applied for a position as an outreach associate with our county's public library system in December of 2015. Interviewed, was offered the job in January, started working part-time in February of this year. It truly is work that is meaningful, purposeful, and profitable. Conducting story times for family and commercial daycares allows me to use my singing, crafting, and teaching skills every day. I still come 
home, I still homeschool our children around my work schedule. It has been a dream to not only be included in the success stories, but to have my own rendition of We Are the Champions played after my story. So I have included a recording. I hope you will oblige. Thanks for all you do in the coaching space and for encouraging people to find or create work they love. So here we go. This is Karen Wilson's rendition of her own We Are the Champions. We are the champions, my friend, and we'll keep on fighting to the end. We are the champions, we are the champions, no time for losers, for we are the champions of the world. All right, Karen. Hey, I love it. I can hardly keep myself from jumping in there and singing with her. Awesome. Congratulations, Karen, and all the rest of you with your success stories. What a cool way to bring that to a conclusion today. And obviously, if you get a success story, we'd love to hear it here. I'm making a compilation of those. As a matter of fact, we're going to be starting a new podcast hosted by one of our listeners who is going to simply be interviewing people with success stories. Already got a demo up. He's done an amazing job. I'm really excited about it. And it's going to be another podcast with nothing but success stories. You ask for that again and again and again. And uh, it's going to be an expansion with some of these people that I talk about here with interviewing them and hearing a little bit more of their stories. But again, congratulations to Karen. Thanks you for your rendition of We Are the Champions. Well, this is from Dr. Carol Peters Tanksley. She's been a listener of mine. I've interviewed on her podcast. Uh, I think endorsed some books of hers. You know, she's a very successful OBGYN doctor. But she says, Dan, I listened to your podcast yesterday. You're so right. The holiday season offers special challenges for those who are lonely, facing grief and loss, family problems, etc. I'm facing that myself this year. It's my first Christmas season after my husband's death. I'm not alone. One study found that 45% of people surveyed said they actually dread the holiday season. So to offer some help, I've created a series of free resources on beating the holiday blues. If you know of anyone who might benefit, I'd be thrilled if you would share this resource. Anyone can access these free short videos at drdrcarolministries.com slash holiday blues. I went there, checked them out. It's just Carol Sharon to encourage you beating the holiday blues. Again, it's doctor, just drcarolministries.com slash holiday blues. Thank you, Carol, for sharing that and offering that with our listeners. Adam says, Dan, I've read your 48 days book about five years ago. I'm reading it again. I can't seem to find a fulfilling career that I can grow in. I have a J-O-B. And I enjoy several aspects of it, but I'm still feeling very unfulfilled, like I'm letting my family down, like I could be doing something so much better, making a much better contribution, but in doing what? I need career counseling badly. What do you recommend I do, Dan? Adam, I recommend you get career counseling. Next. Well, 
I mean, you've laid out exactly what you need to do. Absolutely get career counseling. I mean, that's what career counselors do. And, and there's so many resources available. I mean, certainly if you go to 48days.com and fill out the coaching request, we can match you with a career coach, you know, somebody who will walk you through that process. There are, there are a lot of times when somebody says, you know, gee, I don't have the money to invest in a career coach. Then pick up the books that I recommend. Go to the library. There are nearly every church at this point has some kind of a career transition program. There's a local church here where I live and, and well, it's in Brentwood, Tennessee. Uh, it's the Brentwood United Methodist church. They have a really rock star career transition program. Been going for years, been written up in the New York times. I mean, it's, I speak there every January. I mean, it's, it's an amazing weekly program to walk people through the transition. And they've got a lot of volunteers, competent coaches to help people through. We have the career resources center here in Nashville funded by the state. It's a state of the art facility. You can go in, use their, you know, online services, meet with coaches and all that. There's just no reason for being stuck here. Here's an example. We could go Sunday. I got up early in the morning and I thought it's unusually cool in our house. I wasn't blistering cold, but outside even, but it's cool. And I went and I checked the thermostat. It was set where it always is. And I flipped it. It didn't come on. And I thought, "Uh Oh, that's interesting. So I flipped it on again. I walked down the hall to the end where the unit sits just outside the house and it was, I could hear it humming, but it never would come on. Well, I turned it off because I suspected a motor was locked up, which in fact it was. What did I do? Well, we have a gas fireplace, so we're really in pretty good shape. I could just turn that on. Okay. So I just kind of ignore that need. Well, that's a temporary fix. I could say, well, you know, we'll just kind of put on more coats and we'll just kind of tough it out. What did I know? Seven o'clock Monday morning, I was on the phone to Lee company. They service our heating and air conditioning units. And I said, Hey, I got a problem. They said, we'll get somebody out there pronto. They did. They came out. They determined that it did not make sense to repair our current heating and air conditioning unit. Now that's not the news I wanted to hear, but when we evaluated everything, we decided it's time for a new one. That was on Monday, on Wednesday, they came out and put a brand new unit in. Now, that's the way I'm going to approach a very direct need that I understand and where I understand there are people out there that can help me on it. And Adam, you've got to do that. Man, you do need career counseling. You have a job, enjoy several aspects of it, but still feeling very unfulfilled. Feel like you're letting your family down, like you could be doing so, something so much better, making a better contribution. My goodness. Get with a career coach and let them walk you through a process. Now, obviously, you know, I hope that my, my books that I've got out there, you know, whether it's Wisdom Meets Passion or No More Dreaded Mondays or 40 Days to the Work You Love or Redder of the Day or whatever it is, you know, certainly access materials like that so you get involved in the game yourself. But if you need career counseling, make sure that you get that in place pronto. Okay, this one, okay, and he says not to use his name. I respect that. I'm a quality engineer making $80,000 a year. It's a position 
that doesn't interest me, nor does it utilize my skills and talents. I'm looking for a career where I can creatively add value to customers and businesses. For example, e-commerce, website management, content creation, editing, virtual design, design engineering, etc. And I need to maintain or increase my current income. Again, okay, this is $80,000. She continues, I'm pregnant with our first child and desire to work from home in effort to keep our children from needing daycare. I feel that this is a great opportunity to change gears to a career that's more suited to my talents. If you have any career advice for a mother desiring to work from home to care for her child, but still be able to work and develop her skills and abilities in a creative discipline. Sure. Lots of resources. Now I'm not saying that it's a walk in a park to duplicate $80,000 a year when you just quit a job and want to stay at home. But is it possible? Yes, indeed. It absolutely is. Now the, 48 lower no-cost business ideas that I already referenced, you know, that's one of my resources. I wrote that in direct response to this kind of question from moms who are saying, are there things that I can do where I can be primary caregiver for my children, but still create income? So it was written specifically for that reason. Now, another one that I have where I really go into more depth is no more dreaded Mondays. And I'm going to send you one. I'll send you a copy of that. No more dreaded Mondays because it goes through exactly that. How to take your no more dreaded Mondays came at as a result of after 48 days to the work you love. I had a lot of people saying, I'm not sure I not want another J-O-B. I want something where I'm not vulnerable. I want something where I'm not going to get laid off every 18 months. I want something that keeps me in the driver's seat. That was my reason for writing no more dreaded Mondays. So I'll, I'll send you a copy of that. But let me recommend a couple other resources as well. You've heard me talk recently about Jim Cochran's book, Silent Sales Machine. It's five bucks. You can jump on and find it. And it talks about all the things that he is teaching people about how to make money online. So there's that. I also recommend Crystal Payne's new book, excuse me, Money Making Mom. Money Making Mom by Crystal Payne. So I'll send you a copy of No More Dreaded Mondays. Again, in 30 days, you can have ideas that are going to identify what would be a good fit for you. How can you take your interest in virtual design, design engineering, content creation, editing? Wow. I mean, certainly you could do that. Had a lady in, well, she's in our coaching mastery program. And in helping her develop her coaching focus. I finally said, I said, Beth, this seems like a real struggle for you. She says, I don't really enjoy coaching. I said, why are you developing in this area? She said, because ultimately I just want to write. But she said, I thought I had to go through coaching to build a platform, to build an audience so that ultimately I could just move into writing. I said, no, you don't. I said, stop beating yourself up. Stop trying to make yourself a coach. Now she's in my coaching program and I'm telling her this, don't coach. Let's just figure out how you can write. Well, she was relieved at least temporarily, even though she found it hard to believe she is writing for, and I need to, oh, it's not National Geographic, but it's something like that. It's a national magazine where she does an excellent job of research they have commissioned her to write articles for their magazine. 
and they went 3,000 word articles. That's a pretty lengthy article. I mean, something that's really researched well, but she gets paid a dollar a word and they'd like for her to do two articles a month. Well, you do the math on that. That's $6,000. That's $6,000 a month. That's $72,000 a year right there. For somebody who didn't want to go through all these other things, she didn't want to have a job. She just wanted to write. Well, she figured out how to make that happen. And you can certainly do the same. I need to make a note here to make sure that I send you a copy of No More Dreaded Mondays. I'll have Terry get that sent out to you in Austin, Texas, pronto. All right, this comes from Vera. Who says, thank you for your great podcast. Vera's last name is N-G apostrophe O-M-A. I can't even make an attempt to pronounce that. Ngoma. Oh, Ngoma. Ngoma. Yeah, she's got it written out kind of phonetically. All right. Well, anyway, Vera says, thanks for your great podcast. I have a blog where I post my interviews with nonfiction business authors. The site is insightsfromauthors.com. One consistent piece of feedback I've received from numerous authors is the quality of my questions, which they make me understand is quite rare. Okay. The quality of your questions. All right. I hear the same comment a lot at work and in professional circus circles that I ask questions that make one think what are the different ways I could use this talent or skill. Thanks Vera. You know, Vera this morning on the treadmill, I listened to the most recent edition of the entree leadership podcast. Ken Coleman, entree leadership, that's the Dave Ramsey's organization, but Ken Coleman is the host of that podcast and he interviewed Tim Ferriss. Ken is probably the best interviewer I've ever experienced. He is masterful at asking great questions. Now, somebody else would be, you know, certainly we would recognize would be Larry King. I mean, Larry King has done over 60,000 interviews and he, he, he wanted to interview people and he would interview people where, where he didn't really do a lot of research in advance. So he would ask questions just like anyone listening may want to ask. But he was a masterful interviewer, masterful question asker. Ken Coleman is as well. Well, both of them have examples of where you can use that talent or skill. I mean, with a podcast, I mean, with the podcast, now you say you've got a blog. I mean, with, even with a really successful blog, you can have sponsor ads, that run down through that you can have affiliate programs where you refer your readers to other kind of things. I mean, I made a significant chunk of money this year from just uh, recommending other things that people have available. You can certainly do the same. The master in that space is our buddy, Pat Flynn, Flynn with a uh, smart passive income. So you can check that out. So there are a lot of ways that you can use your skill in asking great questions, position yourself as somebody doing a blog, doing a podcast, creating content, or then you can be connecting people with other resources where you can make money or having people sponsor the promotion of your own podcast or blog, make money in that way. Certainly you can do that. Great question and legitimate focus for you to move in that direction. Absolutely. Well, Hey, just a quick reminder here. These are real questions, obviously, sent in by real people like you and me. So if you got a question, something you're trying to get figured out here at the end of the year, going into the new year, hey, shoot it to me. Just uh, You can go to 48days.com, click on the podcast link. You'll see a way to 
either leave it there, you can write it out, or you can just speak it, just start talking. I have some of those come in as you hear those. You can do that, or you can just send an email to me at askdan at 48days.com. Now, this comes from Mark, who says he's confused. I've read your teaching on working on your strengths and weaknesses from idisciple.org. I'm an artist, and I've always been taught to work on my weaknesses because they are skills that can be learned. I'm weak in getting good contrast in my work and working in color. I want to become a better artist. I don't know who to listen to that has the best counsel for my situation. Okay, this, this is a interesting topic. Do we work on our weaknesses or just strengthen our strengths? There's a lot of teaching out there where we always just work on our weaknesses. Now, there's a story, you know, I just thought of this. There's a story that I tell in one of my books, and it certainly in concept is not original with me. I'm sure I've made it my own over the years in the retelling of it. But let me just give you the, the short version of the story. So the animals got together and decided that they were going to start a school for their offspring. So the first day of school, the dog, the chicken, the cow, the horse, the bear, the panther, whatever, sent all their kids off off to school. And of course, Mr. and Mrs. Duck sent off little Donald Duck to school. Well, Donald Duck was a great swimmer. But being in school, you know, they wanted him to work on his weaknesses. So they encouraged him to climb trees, you know, to learn how to fly to learn how to run really fast, which is not natural for a duck. Well, after a couple months of being in school, he couldn't even swim very well anymore because his little feet were so sore from trying to climb trees. This is not a commentary on our academic system, although we could stop here and park there for a while too, but that's the tendency. Let's work on your weaknesses. And in doing so, we often blunt the very things you do well. I don't do that. In No More Dreaded Mondays, I write, work where you are strongest 80% of the time. Work where you are learning 15% of the time. Work where you are weak 5% of the time. Now, if I look at what I do, I mean, I really like writing and coaching. There are probably, you know, 20, 25 things that need to be done, even in a company of my size. I probably do two or three of those things pretty well. I detest financial accounting, keeping track of numbers, filing taxes. I mean, going to the supply stores, deciding what inventory we need, dealing with, you know, the publishers on quantities and things like, I don't like all those things. So I'm going to focus on writing, but then I'm going to study vigorously about how to become a better and better writer. I'm going to go to conferences and seminars, take courses so I can get better. I'll explore different kinds of writing. And in doing so, I discover I don't enjoy fiction. I don't enjoy reading fiction. So I have no interest in learning how to be a better fiction writer. I'm very narrow in working on the things that I already do well and just become better in doing those things. Now, being an artist, Mark, is, is such a subjective craft. I don't know how you determine what is right or wrong. I mean, some artists are very bold in contrast. 
and their use of color. Others are very soft and subtle. I don't think, I don't think we can narrow this down to you need to do this in order to be good as an artist or be right as an artist. There's going to be buyers for pretty much anything. Golly, when we go to art shows, I'm blown away at the extreme variety of things. And there seem to be people who appreciate whatever there is there. So if you enjoy low contrast, those more subtle shades and transitions, then become known for that and be excellent at that. I'm going to encourage you, be careful about just working on your weaknesses. Now, do you want to become better as an artist? Absolutely. Absolutely. And it may require a period of time where you explore working with a palette knife, as an example, or using pencils instead of brushes. I mean, do those things as part of that learning process, but then very quickly focus in on where you're strong and become really, really good at that rather than just being mediocre in a lot of things. Don't be a duck with sore feet. Well, this comes from Caleb who says, first, I want to thank you for your podcast. It's been an inspiration to me. And whenever I'm feeling down, your positive outlook inspires me to search for something more. I'm a recently married 26 year old male who is currently working as a framing carpenter. This is not a passion of mine as, as I got into it as a way to pay the bills. On the disc profile, I'm a high S and I, I enjoy teaching guys who are new at construction, how to do everything that I do. And I enjoy seeing the progress that they make. I also enjoy looking back on a day and visually seeing the accomplishments of what I've done. Consequently feel discouraged. If not, a lot of progress has been made. I love to help people and have a passion for music, film, and seeing people develop personally. My question is what sort of non-traditional teaching models could I pursue in order to find my three-legged stool? I feel like my current job is draining my energy and not energizing me. If you could point me in the right direction, I would greatly appreciate it. Sure. Absolutely. Caleb. Again, I mentioned again a little bit ago, Joshua Kemp, who was a blacksmith and then decided he wanted to be a software developer. That, that's kind of a big transition. So he just researched online tutorials and courses that were available. Never really took a, a structured course Didn't go to college but just found things where he could learn what he wanted to do. And he did that very well, moved into a high paying job. You could do the same. Now, what I encourage you, since you have a passion for music and film, go to creativelive.com. Just like it sounds, creativelive.com. That's Chase Jarvis's site. Chase is a magnificent photographer, just an all around great guy. But anyway, Look at the wide variety of courses you can access there. Find a couple things. Just start becoming better in film and music. If those are things that you want to develop. You know, those are things, if you, if you go to college in music, you're going to spend 98% of your time taking the other kind of basic requirements. You know, English lit and geography and algebra and calculus and whatever, all those things. And then you spend 5% of your time really studying music. Well, from your vantage point, now you may at some point decide that you want to go get that college degree if it really ties in with your long-term goals. But for right now, don't start there. Start with exploring directly your passion for music and see what you can do with that. I mean, there are people who, the, the, uh, the amazing arranger, David Foster, he's a musician. And he, he actually says if he would have been a little better, he would just be one more anonymous face in an orchestra somewhere. 
but because he wasn't really good enough, he decided he was just going to help other musicians be really good. And so he's worked with people like, you know, Celine Dion and, um, golly, uh, Andrea Bocelli. I mean, he's worked with all these big name people because he's a guy that wasn't quite good enough to do it himself. So he just helped other musicians be great. So look for opportunities where you can do exactly that music, film, seeing people develop. You can do exactly what you're talking about, but start with creativelive.com as a source. All right. Now this comes from a uh, longtime listener and I'm, I'll, I'll, I'll just not share his name. Last week I heard you mention how when you were 48 years old, you had massive liens over your head, hundreds of thousands of dollars worth of debt, etc. I don't know if you realize how much hope that gives people like myself. I'm 38 years old. I constantly go back and forth with what I want to be when I grow up. My marriage is struggling because we're no better 12 years into the marriage financially than we were when we started. No, no, I take that back. That's not true. We are much better now than we were 12 years ago. It's just that I constantly feel like a failure or I get these great ideas in my head of what I want to do and I get excited for a little while and then they fall away. I have job hopped many times, never having been happy in any of those jobs. But knowing that someone as seemingly successful as yourself or as we listeners perceive you to be wasn't doing well even at 48 years old really gives me And I'm certain other people hope for their future that things will get better as long as we keep trying, never give up and keep pursuing better. So thank you for mentioning that. I don't think I've ever heard you mention your age at that time of your life. Well, yeah, I've been very open about that at 48. I was looking at mountains of debt. Um, You know, I'll have to be clear though. I, I, I wasn't discouraged. I wasn't angry. I wasn't resentful. I wasn't frustrated. I just knew I had a, a big mountain to climb over. And I was eager to do that. I wasn't really obsessed with even finding the right career path. I mean, my career path kind of showed up. I mean, if you've heard me talk, you know, Joanne and I in that lowest period financially, when I was really struggling, we started teaching a Sunday school class And that Sunday school class was just like a magnet and people started coming more and more. They started asking for resources. I mean, it just kind of showed up unexpectedly. That's not what I expected as a career path at all, but it showed up. I listened to it and followed that path to where it's led today. But in that period of time, you know, I was 52 years old when that one morning I walked into my office and got the, the fax machine started burning off 14 pages of IRS lien releases. I was 52 years old when that happened. That put me back to zero in terms of financially. I was at absolute zero, but I was thrilled to be at zero because I just come out from hundreds of thousands of dollars in debt. So I was thrilled to be back at absolute broke at 52 years old. And a whole lot of fun things have happened since then. And frankly, yeah, the things that I've known for now have all happened since then. So there's certainly hope for those of you who are 38 or 28 or 48. Uh, certainly plenty of time to find your true path and do the greatest work you are possible, possibly could do. Well, this comes from Tammy. I enjoy your podcast. You get my gears in motion. My passion is helping local small business owners by sharing my combined 25 years of big box retail my eight years as a local small business owner. My goal is to help these business owners learn what large companies have spent millions of dollars training their leaders. I started a podcast 
local small business coach, where I share a new lesson three times a week. My next step is one-on-one coaching. I want to offer services across the country, not just locally. I feel my real calling is to help local business owners. I hope to attend coaching with excellence later this year. Do I have any advice for starting an online coaching business? What first steps do you recommend? Well, in all due modesty, get yourself to coaching with excellence as fast as you can. I mean, there is no way that I can provide more value to you than those two days that we spend laying this out exactly how to do it. And a whole lot of people that you hear me talk about started in that way. And incidentally at coaching with excellence. Now the next one is January 12th and 13th. And at that, you're going to hear from coaches who are right where you were just a couple years ago where they wanted to offer coaching, weren't sure how to do it. And they came here. So I'm going to have people like uh, Kent Julian. You heard me talk about Kent, extremely successful coach, author, speaker down in Atlanta. Uh, Giovanna Ellison is going to be here. An amazing story about her first 18 months as a coach. She'll unpack exactly what she did and how you can do the same. Uh, Terry Hathaway will be here. Terry is working with me and developing the 48 days to the work you love into a seminar series. So he's a master at taking content and creating a course. In that same vein, Dr. Brian Dixon is going to be here and he's going to be sharing about how to turn your ideas into a course. And he's got a program to help you walk right through that. Aaron Walker will be here. A coach who came out of the construction industry and a listener here earlier who was in the construction industry, Aaron came And he was most recently a home builder and came. And now he has this amazing coaching practice that he does coaches. He's got small masterminds of 10 people. I think he's got like 13 of those groups built up. Those guys pay a significant fee every month. It's an amazing economic machine that he's got going. So you're going to hear from people like that at coaching with excellence. So that's the first thing. But now Tammy, in the meantime, I mean, this is December. I mean, that's only in a couple of weeks. Boy, by all means, try to get here if you can. I have laid out multiple times on here how to spend, how to launch an online coaching business, even if you can only invest 15 hours a week in doing so. So you can move into that. You know, with those 15 hours, I encourage you to use three hours reading, studying, gathering new knowledge. Three hours only. Don't get caught up like a lot of people do at just accumulating a lot of knowledge and never really move into developing a business. Five hours creating content, working on your book, courses, coaching packages, or whatever. Four hours working directly with clients. Three hours marketing your efforts to build your brand and reputation. You do that 15 hours a week in 90 days, you're going to have a fully functioning online coaching practice that's making you money, putting money in the bank. But uh, hey, come to coaching, coaching with excellence. Start there. Steve asked, I'll squeeze this one in here and we'll wrap up with this. On a recent podcast episode, you mentioned developing a minimally viable product. It was nice to hear that the 48 days program was created in that manner. My question is, if I release my first product, how do I present that first product? Should I let people know it's the first version of the product and may have some bugs so they're not too critical of the product or do I just put it out there like it's version seven? Hey, great question. My gosh, great question. Here's the deal. Reed Hoffman, who is CEO of LinkedIn says, if you're not embarrassed 
by the first version of your product, you've launched too late. Isn't that a great statement? If you're not embarrassed by the first version of your product, you've launched too late. Get it out there. You don't have to tell people this is a beta version of the first version. Just get it out there. They're going to notice. They'll give you ideas for improvement. That's how I've launched every single product I've ever done. Incidentally, Reed Hoffman, CEO of LinkedIn. Two weeks ago, Microsoft bought LinkedIn for $26.2 billion. $26.2 billion. Wow. Hey, next week, we're going to be listening to The Strangest Secret talk about that. Thanks for being part of this group where we are, in fact, finding or creating work that is meaningful, purposeful, and product. Take you out here, a seasonal song. Have yourself a merry little Christmas. Happy golden days of your